Have you ever wondered what it takes to build a successful business in the Australian property industry? Well, you've come to the right place. Welcome to Business and Property Development, a monthly podcast in which industry leaders share their insights and experience with host Harry Karadimus. Hello and welcome to Business and Property Development. This is the second part of my conversation with performance coach Martin Lewenberger. In this part, we delve into Marty's move into performance coaching, what some of the aspects of performance coaching are, and what it helps people achieve. At the end of this part, we'll also be speaking about the coaching process I'll be going through under Marty's guidance, so be sure to stick around to the end to hear more about what's involved. I hope you enjoy it. So with, with the completion of your, your master's, how did you go about sort of putting it into practice? I mean, it's radically different going out on your own versus yeah. being in an organization. Yeah. You know, you have to do it for yourself. It's just like anything that you're doing on your own. It, it's hard to get started. How did you go about going, okay, I know I've got this passion. I feel like I've made the right decision for what I want to be doing. I've talked about this enough that I know that I'm doing the right thing. How did you go about approaching people to go, you know, this is what I'm doing now. Build that, Start building the clientele to, to get it started. I took a bit of a break. So when I finished Loftus Lane, my son was born. That was our first kid. I, I basically just took six months off. I wanted to sort of really decompress from development, but I also wanted to decompress from the project. There was a lot of human capital that went into that project as, as we talked about. A lot of burnout that I experienced and, and many others experienced as well. So I needed actually time to create space in between what I had done and, and what I was moving into. And I, I took six months off, which was absolutely amazing, learning the ropes of being a dad. That six months for me was a time of reflection. It was a time of rebuilding myself. It was a time of building a vision for my future. And I uh, made sure that I actually really didn't do any coaching. I didn't want to focus on, on that at all. I really wanted to create space to just be and decompress. Uh, out of curiosity, with the way Loftus Lane was, was unfolding, you had some early success in the collaboration of, uh, of the people that you were working with. Obviously, there was a lot of hype and a lot of buzz around the project coming to market. Obviously, very successful as a, a development manager on the job. The opportunities ahead would have been pretty amazing having this on your as a defining project in your career. But was there a defining moment that changed for you during this period where you thought you, you mentioned a project of two halves you know you had some amazing success but what was the other half that sort of meant that you actually decided to, to wrap up your time in construction it's a good question because there was a lot of success around this project and i had great opportunities towards the end of this project to move on to other projects through the help of the coach that i had and the decision to explore coaching i decided that coaching was the right thing to do because my experience in the second half of the project wasn't great. It was a very challenging working environment. It was at times extremely lonely and I was really struggling with my mental health. It was an environment that despite calling out poor behavior, despite having HR involved, despite a whole lot of factors, there was no change. And I guess the moment I decided I wanted to move into coaching was when I reflected on the environment that I was in 
and also the environment that I was previously in when I went to deliver York and George, I realized that even though they were both challenging times for me, I had a coach supporting me in the second scenario, whereas I didn't have a coach supporting me when I was doing York and George. And the difference of my experience was black and white. In what, in what way? Uh, well, what I could, I could only control the controllables, which was me. And the coach basically allowed me to explore things that were going on in me. And I, through that process, was able to really change my internal dialogue and change, change my view on things. And I was able to hold what was going on at work out to the side without it really affecting me internally. It was for me probably mainly emotions around sadness, disappointment and frustration that this was my experience at work on a project that I really held quite closely to me. The coaching for me basically allowed me to experience what it was like to go through something traumatic and, and hard, but also being able to be still centered and true to myself. It was at that point that I was like, if I don't pursue my passion of coaching, I'm not going to be able to help others that may be facing a similar or a different situation. And I felt like there was more purpose to move towards coaching for me to help others to be better versions of themselves or to help them have the tools to work through difficult situations in their lives. You mentioned burnout before as well. Is this the manifestation of that feeling? Burnout. Burnout is where you are at the point where you can't get out of bed, you can't regulate your emotions, you aren't motivated. It looks different for all different individuals, but I was definitely burnt out. At that point, we had done some cortisol testing and part of the program, which we'll get into later, was looking at my sleep data and my cortisol and it was completely shot. I was running on adrenals, uh, so therefore my body wasn't able to produce the cortisol it needed to take on the day but I was still turning up at work. So, you know, it got to a point in that environment where it was either quit or, or turn up. And I certainly wasn't gonna quit because I wasn't gonna, I was gonna live on my terms and that's how I wanted to do it. And the tools that I got from coaching and the support that I got from coaching enabled me to continually turn up and perform. So how, how far do you think coaching carried you to the point where you decide, like how long were you doing this and, and being able to perform up until the point where you decided to, to actually end your time? The coaching showed me a couple of things. Mm. First of all, it takes two to tango. You don't just experience bullying and harassment. There's, there's two people involved. And what I learned about myself is that I had really poor boundaries. And so through coaching, I was able to take responsibility for my actions. I was also able to have better boundaries, which actually no one likes when someone pushes back or says no. But for me, I was actually starting to live more on my terms and have better mental skills to actually deal with pressure or to deal with the situation I was in. So that was one thing that coaching allowed me to do. The coaching also helped me accept the situation. It allowed me to actually understand the situation I was in and either choose to move away or accept it. And acceptance is, is a big part of coaching. When you can actually accept a situation, you, you can actually start to deal with it, unpack it and lean into it. 
But accepting uh, doesn't mean that it's necessarily okay. It's no, just that right. you, you're acknowledging that. Correct. Like if I look at it to, a, to a, a sports game, for example, when a ref makes a bad call, you can either take that out. You could yell at the ref. You could take it out on the next play. You can, you can focus on that or you can actually accept it and move on. And what the coaching allowed me to do was actually accept that this is a game I'm in. Accept it and move on. Don't fight it work with it use it to your advantage so it was very powerful for me but as part of that acceptance i actually got to the point where i was like right i'm going to do coaching i had accountability that okay that's what we're doing and i then like i said did my master's in psychology coaching where full-time where i worked so basically the work for me the project wasn't my focus anymore yes i was doing it as a job but now it was actually a cash flow for me while i studied to pursue a new career I wasn't working until 1 a.m. any morning, every morning. I wasn't so invested in this project like I had previously been because my purpose was bigger all of a sudden and my vision for what I was doing going forward was completely different. So this project just became something else. Yeah. You know, I, I literally had a, had a calendar on my desk where I would strike off each day. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and I, I like that was the moment when I realized I can't be doing what I'm doing. That's a really interesting overlap because you've got coaching to help you through the difficult components of, of your life at that point in time while you focused on your accountabilities to transition yourself into something that you found yourself being quite passionate about. That's right. Yeah. And I felt like, again, because I knew what I was going to be doing. I felt like I was actually doing better at work yeah. because I wasn't getting bogged down in the poor decisions that were being made without consultation or I wasn't getting bogged down in frustration. It wasn't part of my future. So it was, it was a lot easier. That's how I came to sort of go, yeah, all right, I'm doing coaching. And there was definitely a grieving that I had to do when I left development. You know, there's so many great people in this industry, so many great thinkers and good humans that I w knew that I wasn't going to be working with in the future. But again, I reframed that. I was like, well, potentially there's these are clients of mine or we still will stay in contact, which we actually have. I guess I, I look at it and realize that there was a grieving process to leave something. Was that part of that six months that yeah, you decided to, to take off? Yeah, I remember the first two months after finishing the project because I, I, I just finished up before settlement occurred. It was really weird to go from, you know, receiving hundreds of emails a week that required direction or input and phone calls and follow-ups and decisions that needed to be made to absolutely nothing. What I sort of started to learn is that my identity early in this project was so wrapped up in the project. It was, it's what I was living for. But a question that the coach asked me was, when you're on your deathbed, are you actually going to talk about Loftus Lane? You know, is that something that you want to have the CGIs pop up on the screen at your funeral? <laughs> like he was involved in this, so who cares? But equally, look, I've, I, like I said, I have very much been very fortunate to build great relationships in the project and the development. No doubt they'll carry on as well. No yeah. doubt. Like no you said. Doubt. Yeah. Before we get into the nitty gritty of what you've chosen to focus on in terms of performance coaching, can you give me a bit of an understanding as to what performance coaching is as a, as a discipline? It's very much an achiever mindset. So that's where it's very much outcome focused. It's got, it's very functional. It's about if I do X, Y, Z, 
this this should be the outcome. Uh, so that's very much performance. And the coaching element to that is really working with someone to unlock handbrakes or roadblocks that are preventing them from achieving those outcomes. So we look at the mental skills, we look at tweaking elements, we look at what is holding them back from actually achieving that, that outcome. That's performance coaching. The other layer to it is potential coaching. And really potential coaching is it's going a little bit deeper to actually lift someone's mindset. The best way to look at it, I think, is someone's operating system. Every upgrade allowed the capacity of that phone to increase. It allowed the functionality of that, that phone to do more. There's performance coaching for outcome, but then there's potential which allows the individual to actually take on more and do more. So this could be the why people get coached. I'm interested to know, do people come with a preconceived understanding of what coaching is or uh, or what they need? Because it sounds like it can often be a process of discovery as well. There is definitely a process of discovery. Sometimes people come in with, I want to achieve X, but the very quickly it's like, well, what's so important about X? What's, what's so important about achieving X and what does Y look like? You know, so you start asking the right questions, you actually start to go a little bit deeper and holistically look at why X is so important to that individual. And often that coaching actually completely goes a different way. And we start exploring, you know, their values and holistically looking at their beliefs, their values, their underlying assumptions. So there's that element. Just to take a step back. so. One thing is who turns up to coaching? You've got the sharp achiever, who's the workaholic. They've got a poor relationship with time. They're chasing time, everything's urgent. I'm busy, I'm over-responsible. And as a result, their biology is often suffering. You've got the individual that is the stuck expert, which is the person who's always right, the micromanager know-it-all. They tend to be really critical of themselves and others. And they actually find it very difficult to delegate and trust people. You then also get the imposter and the pleaser who devalues themselves and is always saying yes. And they're the workaholics as well because they're always trying to do more to please and they're actually always second guessing themselves and don't back themselves. They tend to be the people I see mostly in coaching and there's We've got a lot of tools to, to help them. There's other coaching where I'm told to work with someone. Uh, so I might get engaged by an employer to work with one of their employees. And essentially that can be quite triggering and it's actually hard to move into those coaching agreements because if you're told you're gonna get coaching without any context and you don't want coaching, you're gonna have your guard up. Yeah. You, there's not gonna be any trust there. There's not gonna be any openness whatsoever. As a coach, it's really, all I can do is ask questions. I can't force someone to come up with a goal or to work towards something. It's, it's really about the coachee wanting to move and change. So there's those engagements, but then equally there's people that when they understand what coaching is and the benefit of coaching, they really jump in with both feet. And so you get the people that are stuck. You get the people that have their hearts on fire and want to develop and want to grow and want to, but then you have people that are resistance as well. And your ideal clients would be the ones that obviously the motivation comes from within. So look, I, I really enjoy all of them. I see them every coaching engagement's completely different. So like you've got people who are stuck and don't have direction. You've got people who 
are experiencing burnout but don't know that they're burning out and then like i said you've got the people that are really passionate about wanting to to move forward and change they are more exciting because mm-hmm. they want to go deeper they they really lean in so what different fields can performance coaching focus on naturally i think when people think of performance coaching they link it straight to sport I don't have any sporting clients. Most of my clients are within the corporate world or the arts, mainly in the corporate, mainly property and development. But I've got some clients in overseas in the UK and the US, which is quite diverse, you know, whether it's insurances, management, consulting. So it can it can apply to any domain, really. Are they typically your, your C-suite type of people or are they... The, the reason why I ask is who is actually performance and potential coaching for you sort of always associate coaching with the more elite people in either business or sport people who would conceivably not require coaching because they're they're already such a high level but they're the ones that seem to recognize that i can even push even harder maybe they're at a high level because they know they need the help maybe they're at the high level because they've actually realized and had that self-awareness that i can't do this alone i need the nutritionist to help me understand how i have the best diet for performing and being the fastest man in track. You know, maybe I need a mindset coach and a, and a potential coach to help me work through the limiting beliefs that I have around how I turn up at work or how I manage people. Yes, you often find that these C-suite have coaches, but they're in those roles because they have also had exposure to coaches to elevate them. I find that I am working with sort of the C-suite level, but I also am working with mid-managers as well. The way I speak to about it generally is that, you know, we spend so much time and money on seeing personal trainers or in the fitness regime about looking after our body externally, but our brain is a muscle as well. We need to work that. So I really encourage, you know, counselors, coaches, psychologists, they all have a role to play to help us unlock our mental performance to clear away, you know, underlying belief systems that are actually holding us back. Is mind training what you would associate with potential? I would see mindset being performance and, and potential mindset from the unconscious being about our the unconscious belief system that we have our limit limiting thoughts that we have i see that as potential side whereas our mindset and mental skills i see like through the executive mindset profile that we'll talk about later is a whole list of mental skills that we know relate back to performance and how someone turns up so do you mind if we unpack that a little bit more Mm -hmm. like as in you know mindset training so what does it help to achieve like what are the ultimate outcomes it essentially helps people unlock the limiting beliefs that they've placed on themselves or the labels that they've placed on themselves or it can also unlock the ability for people to see the potential that they have within themselves it get basically elevates their thinking elevates their potential to understand that 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 is within them to actually achieve something and so if you have a poor mindset you're basically going to have the same outcome if you don't change it you're going to go have the same patterns the same ways of thinking and hoping to get a different result and and until you actually address those assumptions or those underlying beliefs that hold up your mindset and is this why you typically need need a coach to be able to do this with because trying to do it on your own you 
obviously still have your limiting beliefs and your and, and your underlying mindset but having to try and shift that by doing something like self-help or something like that is i'd imagine that being a self-help books and and podcasts and audio books are helpful tools but it's a one-way conversation it's a one-way experience you're not actually having someone listening to how you respond to what you're reading or what you're hearing you're not having someone listening to your words to pull you up and go, well, actually, what, what did you mean by that you never get it right? If I was to say two plus two, what does that equal four? Well, you just got that right. So where is this limiting belief that you're, you don't get anything right, that everything goes badly for you, and then you paint your whole world with that paintbrush? Like who's actually going to be asking you about those assumptions or being able to identify patterns that are actually holding you back? So I'm curious, why don't people pursue this more you can go to any gym and get a pt that's right so accessible that's right it really comes down to cost where essentially people look at it as a cost only rather than an investment so they go well there's a price to pay but then the other element is people are too busy their lives are so full like there's no time for that and it's such a low priority it's something that gets pushed or it's an oh that would be nice and it's not until actually someone has exhausted all their options that they actually go i need help and it's at that point where they then go and get help which is great for me having the experience of a coach transition has helped me transition into coaching because it is so beneficial i still get coaching i have my own coach even though i am a coach because i need someone to keep me accountable i need someone to help me keep working through any limiting beliefs that i have I need someone to sharpen myself. And then from a coaching perspective, I have a supervisor also who helps me improve my coaching. So like I I literally have a coach for me. I have a supervisor to improve my coaching. I have have golf lessons to improve my golf. Like I can't do this alone. There's just no way. It's definitely an investment. It's a shortcut and save time. Yeah, exactly. Because it's time. That's that's what you don't. Yeah, I mean, you can't get enough of that. That is the question, right? Yeah. How much is your time worth? Do you want two years to try and change on your own, or do you want to see sustainable change within three months? And obviously, have the risk of not actually achieving what you set out to do yeah, if you 100%. decide to do it on your exactly. own, or it just becomes again too hard. That's right. I don't have time for it. I think another challenge why people don't get coaching is it's quite exposing. And in today's commercial world, there's not a lot of psychological safety. So who wants to talk about that they're struggling? It's just one of those things where coaching can provide that. And it is exposing. You know, it's not something you go and have a drink with a friend and talk about your weaknesses and gaps and frustrations and where you felt like you failed. Yeah, that's you know, quite confronting, isn't that's it? That's right. Yeah. And that's something my wife and I do on the daily. We talk about where did we have success in our day and where did we have failure in our day? And until we actually get comfortable talking about failure, we're not actually going to get comfortable failing. And you do this on a daily It's just daily a daily basis. check-in that yeah. we do. Yeah, it just gives insight to where they're at. But the thing is, is if when I talk about a failure, she might look at that and go, what a great learning opportunity mm. or is that a true failure? It's the lens that we put on it. But again, so, you're bouncing ideas. That's your bouncing yeah. ideas. But it's more like it's, it goes a bit beyond saying, hi, how was your day today? And you're going, yep, and then leaving it at that. That's right. Because often that's where it goes. Or you or you, you say, oh, I've had a pretty ordinary day. You might talk about it for a little bit, but yeah. you don't necessarily – it's not a more in-depth. Yeah, oh, correct. Why is that? 
there's also the ego. Like, why would I want to talk about failures? Why would I want to share with someone that I'm struggling? Because that's not the persona that I want to have. So you've got this mask on, you've got this ego on. We're told to carry armor to protect ourselves. Coaching allows you to sort of pull that armor off and have better conversations. I guess that would lead us quite well into if you were to consider performance coaching. Firstly, how do you know, how do you know that you need it? Look, I think there's some telltale signs around burnout that we spoke about earlier, you know, about not being motivated, struggling to um, emotionally regulate yourself, feeling foggy. But I think the coaching can be at any time of life. Some of my clients, I see them on a weekly basis. We speak weekly and then we, we meet up fortnightly. Some I only catch up with every month or so. And it just all depends what's going on in their life. So if there's something that you feel like, why does this keep happening to me? Or why am I struggling here? Or why am I not able to achieve this goal? There's got to be something that's holding you back. I find that most of the conversations I'm having in, in coaching is really about bringing light to a situation or bringing light to a frustration or something that we can work through to actually resolve it. It's just problem solving. Rather than doing it in your own head when you're already busy and it's already full with other things, problem solve with someone to actually come to a solution. And and that's what uh, my master's was it about. It was all evidence-based, solution-based coaching. So typically what's uh, what would be involved if somebody was to, to be looking at, say, working with you? There's dialogue coaching where we sort of, we can talk things through if you're not wanting to sort of really explore your data, get into that in a moment. But there's usually I suggest having a, just a, a coffee catch up where we can have a chemistry chat get an idea if I'm the right person for you. There's been some people that I've met with and I'm like, hey, look, I don't think I'm the right coach for you. And I've recommended other coaches or someone was like, oh, look, I'd rather work with a female. Can you recommend a female coach? That's fine. I'm more excited that they actually want to grow and change than the fact that they're not going to work with me doesn't really bother me. So yeah, it would look like a, a chemistry catch up where we have a coffee and just talk through things generally, talk through my approach to coaching. And then essentially we would start working on a fortnightly to monthly basis based on what they felt comfortable and what their needs were. I often have a sort of a five, 10 minute phone call with each of my clients each week, just to sort of check in, see how they're going, see if there's anything that they need to talk about. The coaching engagement is, is really about eight sessions and it de- depends on the type of coaching we do, but usually it's around eight sessions. Okay. So that's, there's a point at which you're engaged and then, but what happens after, after that, when you develop quite a close relationship? Well, I mean, like for me and most people, the engagement continues. I'm still working really about six to eight months into my coaching journey now but i've got clients that i've been we started with eight weeks and now we're still working with each other i've, I've had the same coach for the last four years and it just looks a little bit different the conversations are a little bit different or the sessions are every two months rather than every fortnight what i'd like to understand is for the ordinary person as in someone who might be maybe it hasn't even you know, like coaching hasn't even come across their mind are there any actionable tips that you can give to start to understand one of the most important things we can do is assess our internal dialogue what are we saying to ourselves what are we how are we responding to situations what's what's happening we can complain about the traffic but until we actually take responsibility and acknowledge that if we're driving a car we are part of traffic 
we are part of the problem, but we're also part of the solution. The main thing for me that I would encourage people is start to take stock take on what you're saying to yourself. Have a think about the way you're talking to yourself internally or the way you're responding to situations and and grab those thoughts and those sentences and put them on trial. Just have a look at it and go, is that true? Why, why am I saying that? Would I say that to my best friend? So if I wouldn't, why am I saying that to myself? So that's, that's one thing that I, I work with my clients to almost putting their thoughts on trial and what they're saying to them. So that's, that's one thing. Another thing I would strongly recommend is, is sleep. So simple, but... <laughs> it's, it's really simple. It's a, it's a free yeah. drug. I'm, I'm definitely not a doctor, so I can't prescribe anything, but I can say sleep. You know, if we look after ourselves and actually get quality sleep, that means not necessarily just getting eight hours, but actually creating space to sleep where we turn the TV off, where we where we have the phone in the other room. So it's not the last thing and the first thing that we're looking at, where we actually create an, a ritual on our way to sleep, that we are in bed by 10 o'clock, that we're actually getting the, the quality deep sleep before 1am. Deep sleep is so important because that's where your body recovers. So if you're binging TV, then going to sleep at 11.30, you're really actually limiting your body the opportunity to have deep sleep where it recovers, where your body recovers and rebuilds internally. And then if you're only sleeping for five hours, some people think it's, you know, they're more efficient in life because they sleep for five hours. Long term, that's not going to play out well for you because by sleeping five hours, you're actually going to have less REM sleep, which is the rapid eye movement sleep stage. If you look at REM sleep, like cleaning the kitchen the night before, your day is so much better. Yes. REM sleep basically allows your brain to flush itself of the day's events and file away the events. If it doesn't get that, you wake up the next day with brain fog, you're, you're cluttered, you're not thinking straight. Sleep is, it's, it's so vital. Probably don't get enough of it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, look, I'd, I'd like to wrap up your journey and experiences by asking you, what has this change in your life has begun to represent sort of moving forward? It's helped me prioritize the priorities my relationships in my life are stronger. I have more stronger pillars in my life to make me a more resilient individual. So if, if a pillar gets taken out, I can rely on the other pillars to help me be resilient. And overall, I'd have to say that now that I'm aware of how I operate as an individual and I have a strong conviction around my values and how I want to live, my life's pretty simple because life is happening through me, not to me. Oh, amazing, Marty. This has been such an incredible conversation. I cannot thank you for your insights and experiences. So. Yeah, I really enjoyed it as well. And I, I look forward to hearing the final episode, but I'm more so looking forward to going on this coaching journey. Yeah, together. absolutely. Well, would you mind if we just unpack absolutely. that a little bit just to understand yeah. what I'm in for? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, what we're going to be doing, we're essentially going to be using some of the tools that I use in coaching with my clients. So often we, you know, people would have had exposure um, within organizations and coaching where they do something like a DISC or a Myers-Briggs. And what that tool tends to show is that it's like, well, this is your personality. This is who you are, your yellow, red, blue, and this is how you operate. And it's good to know that, but it doesn't give us enough detail around who you are as an individual 
and where you need to change or what your limitations are um, from a mindset perspective. So you've got your personality, which is quite fixed, but then you've got your mindset, which is, is a lot more of a variable and something that can be shifted. So we're going to do a profile, which is what we call the executive mindset profile. And that's a set of 120 questions. And that will give you a rating in a whole lot of different categories from determination to focus, to energy, to poise, to your resilience. And it will look at boundaries, responsibility. It will look at your level of expectations um, when you get out of bed. So we're gonna do that together. And that's really gonna tell us a story where you are at this point of time. So this is not your personality. This is just where you are at a point of time. And like I said, it's not fixed. So that will give us a bit of a spotlight on where we need to change or, or where we need to focus our coaching. So you'll get a score for each category out of 100. And essentially 80 to 100 is the high performance area. Then you'll have 60 to 80, which is the okay. But then you'll, there's a section for uh, a score out of zero to 60, which is where you're struggling. So, you know, let me give you an example. There are some, you know, high performing individuals that day to day on the surface are doing extremely well and ex extremely successful. However, in the background, they're only just holding it together. This is what this profile exposes. And it is quite exposing. And hence why coaching can be exposing because it starts to reveal things that you didn't know were there or it starts to reveal things that you, you knew were there but you didn't want to talk about. So that's one thing that we'll do. We'll also do a saliva cortisol test, which is a saliva test that you'll take five times throughout the day. And that will measure the cortisol within within your body then we'll send that off to the lab and that will that will get assessed and that will give us an understanding of the the stress in your body and how your body's actually performing throughout the whole day from a, a stress point of view you've got the aura ring on uh so that's going to give us sleep data so the sleep data is really important because we can start to see how long it takes you to fall asleep actually how long you are asleep. Some people think they sleep for, for eight hours, but then when we look at their data, they're like, oh, well, um, I still wake up quite tired. And it's like, well, yeah, so you sleep for eight hours, but you're awake throughout that sleep period for an hour and a half. So you're not actually getting the full eight hours. Uh, we'll, we'll see, we'll be able to measure through the aura ring how much REM sleep you're getting, how much, um, deep sleep you're getting and we'll be able to start to understand how your body is actually recovering through sleep. So they're the sort of three tools that we'll use. We'll also do a 360 survey, which five to six people will give you feedback on, on you and, and answer a number of questions. And the power of that is it actually, again, gives us a different perspective on how you operate from an outsider's perspective. And we'll actually be able to validate the EMP by a, able to use that data and this data and marry them together to see what's true or where you've potentially over overscored yourself or it will start to give you an idea of where we need to coach. Oh, very good. I'm looking forward to seeing what, what comes out of it. Again, thank you for giving us the opportunity to to take you through this yeah, process absolutely. because it, it's not a, not every day that someone is, is willing to be transparent and, and share their data i'll, I'll do my best to, <laughs> to see what um now just uh, one other thing how long what are we looking for in terms of 
the longevity of the coaching period? Usually a coaching engagement is anywhere between three and four months, six to eight sessions. Sometimes things take a little longer to, to budge or that we, we ended up focusing on something and, and needing a bit more time to look at the whole picture. What we will do throughout the process is we'll be benchmarking. So we'll do the EMP actually at three points where, which we normally wouldn't do. We'd only sort of benchmark at the beginning and the end, but for the purpose of this podcast, we'll benchmark before we do each mini recording so that we can actually see what's shifted and what hasn't and what's stubborn and what's Mm -hmm. not, or maybe where you've gone backwards. And that could be just purely because of a situation or, or something. So it, for us, we'll do it over maybe three to four episodes, but a normal coaching engagement would be sort of six to eight sessions, which is three to four months. Like I said, I'm so looking forward to this. Uh, I'm actually just really curious to unpack me. It's something that I've I've never done. Um, why, why haven't you got coaching before? As- I think f- for me, this was part of, uh, this is why I wanted to do this episode was mm. to because I don't understand. I, I've never been exposed. To, I mean, I've had sports coaches, club level and stuff like that, mm. but I've never had, I've never considered as mm. in improving myself. Mm. And it's probably because I never understood what was involved. And so doing the recording with yourself to me was just the ideal time to actually do something about the fact that I didn't know what performance coaching was all about and mm. what some of the potential was and, you know, how how it can help me. So, you know, I think it's just out of, it's probably more out of ignorance than anything else and something that I acknowledge that and it's probably something that I'd like to almost remedy. I guess just in response to that, you can always look at what we spoke about earlier around when I've got marriage counselling or or couples counselling with my wife. The the comment from the counsellor was that it's not until something happens that she starts to see, see couples. There's not often this proactive approach And so she often sees most of her couples when they're about to get divorced or when the kids have left the house and they've got to realize that they're living with another person and they're not sure who that person is. So it's very much a preventative tool, coaching, to avoid pain and setbacks. Yeah, the proactivity, though, is the the key. It's doing it before it's a real problem. Yeah, that's right. I mean, the question you said before is why does C-suite get coaching why do they need coaching if they're already at the top of their game doesn't make sense but the truth is is in in order to sustain performance in order to continue to grow to stay ahead of the curve to be able to withstand the pressure and high pressure situations they're getting that support This is the end of the second part of the episode. I'm sure you'll agree Marty's journey to his passion in performance coaching is both fascinating and uplifting. Through this conversation, what I've come to understand is just how much even building oneself up is a team effort. For me, there are a couple of key thoughts and takeaways. Firstly, what is my potential? If there's anything you have direct control of, it's how hard you push to find and achieve what's most important to you. Secondly, what is most important to me? This is a really challenging and thought-provoking question, and one which certainly has prompted some self-reflection. It's clear from my conversation with Marty that coaching has a really important part to play in figuring these things out. It's the value of having someone help guide you to distill your values and principles so that they inform how you choose to live your life, run your family, 
your business and how you find alignment and spend that finite resource we all can't get enough of, time. In case you're wondering what's coming up next in this mini-series, after this episode, we'll be commencing the coaching process and benchmarking my data that will come in from various sources. I am personally really excited and curious to see where I am at this point in time and look forward to sharing with you the conversations, thoughts and data that Marty and I will be discussing over the coming months. If you've enjoyed what you've heard, please take the time to rate this podcast on your favourite listening platform. Your support, as always, means a lot to me and helps this podcast find new listeners. Well, that's it from me for this month. I'd like to thank you for taking the time to tune in and I look forward to sharing the next month's episode with you very shortly. Take care and bye for now. Thanks for listening to Business and Property Development. Join us next month for more insights from people whose business is property. To subscribe and listen to other episodes, head over to businessandpropertydevelopment.com.au.